0: Hello, I'm Stuart Preston, and this is the Dave Reports, where I have conversations with those who have changed their lives with the help of psychedelics. In this episode, I had the honor of speaking with Gary. Gary shares his story of what I might call religious trauma, as well as substance abuse and a well-timed mushroom trip. So let's hear from Gary. Gary, well thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here on the Stonedape Reports. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, you, know, you came highly recommended. You've, you've built up quite a community around yourself, and, and I can greatly appreciate that. So first of all, thanks for, for joining and for talking about your, your
1: experiences. Well, yeah, I, uh, it's a pleasure to be here, and, and it's an honor to be able to, to talk about this with you. So I appreciate you having this, this venue and this podcast that, you know, to, for people to openly talk about these things that can be life-changing.
0: Yeah. And that's the, the point is like you just you know, alluded to is it is, it can be life-changing. I mean, you and I talk to people all the time who are going through some pretty hard things and come to these uh, psychedelic medicines and, and find a, a path or a tool or an avenue or something to help themselves. So why don't we, why don't we do that? Why don't you tell us kind of what, what your origin story is? What were you going through in life that was, that was challenging that you were trying to overcome and how you came to the medicine and then you know, jump in and talk about your experiences and how they helped.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You said origin story. And I immediately went to like, am I the superhero in this or am I the villain in this one?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, you're the superhero, man. I suppose who, who, yes. who
1: it depends on who you ask. <laughs>
0: yeah. Hero Gary's journey.
1: Right. Oh man. So yeah, I was, I was born into the Jehovah's witness cult and I'll say cult cause it's, it is cult like, you know. It's a. It's both. Both my parents. Lucky me. Both my parents became Jehovah's Witnesses when my mom was uh, pregnant, and it is, you know, it is a Christian religion, but it is very. It's delusional. It's 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 narcissistic, really, because they say they're the mm. whole true faith. Uh, it's very repressive. You know, you you to be able to survive in that environment, you have to just shove down all your natural instincts. Um, mm your desires. And, um, and, and I guess maybe that's why my parents ended up in that. Cause that was, that was a big part of their coping mechanism. You know, of course I didn't know it in the moment, but you know, after the fact, uh, hindsight, that was what, what was modeled to me at home as well. Just pretend like everything's okay and just shove it down, you know? And, yeah. and for me to be able to survive in that environment, cause I had, and, and it was just a mind fuck because I was allowed to go to school, like regular school. Some Jehovah's Witnesses are com- kept completely separate at home and all that. But I went to regular school and I had my, my regular friends that I you know, rode BMX bikes with all day long and, and all summer long and everything. But then, you know, three times a week I had to go to what they call the Kingdom Hall and, and you know, these different church meetings and groups and then, mm-hmm. I, and then I was forced to do the you know the door to door thing too, um, very early on, until I left you know at eighteen. So I had to pretend like I was a good Jehovah's Witness around the you know that realm. I had to I had to pretend like I was a good you know kid to my parents. And then I had to I you know totally unconscious, but I went out of my way to prove to my friends and the you know people at school. That I wasn't a Jehovah's Witness, so
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, as much as my friends, you know, I mean, you know, we got into alcohol early on, and, and and you know, and we were, I guess you could say, we were hoodlums. We we liked destruction, we like breaking stuff, and and you know, and doing yeah. the kind of thing. And I always took it way further than everybody else, you know, just that like, um, you know, I'm not I'm not that goody two shoes kid like yeah. those other Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, at, at school. But, in, in what that meant was, I was never authentic anywhere. I was never in my truth anywhere, which is kind of funny because hmm. this is called their faith, the truth, capital.
0: T. Oh yeah, but you never were your truth.
1: No, and uh, you know, and also, even though I was born into it, I just I clearly remember early, early on hearing somebody give a talk at the Kingdom Hall with their wild interpretations of the Bible, and I just knew it wasn't right. I knew like deep, deep down, you know, my my heart of hearts, I knew it wasn't right. But I also, you know, I you're not allowed to question things and you're not allowed to um you're not allowed yeah. to do your own thing. You have to follow a very you know strict path with them. So where where I so I'm already suffering inside, I'm never living, you know, authentically and yeah. um you know, and just miserable inside my head. And then also that just that weird mix of like, I don't believe this, but it's the only thing I know. So I was kind of resolved on like, well, you know, they don't believe in premarital sex. And so that means everybody gets married young and they, you know, just start working some shitty job. You're not allowed to go to college. Um, it, I think they just recently changed that, those motherfuckers, but you know, <laughs> I wasn't allowed to go to college. Yeah. Um, supposed to spend the rest of your life, you know, uh, preaching to others, turning to other people into Jehovah's Witnesses. And I didn't believe it, but I was also kind of like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. But you know, it was the, the first time I tried alcohol. It actually was with my my cousin who, you know, nobody else in my my either parts of my you know my dad's or my mom's family were Jehovah's Witnesses. So my you know, my cousin was older than me, I spent a summer there. Uh, her and her boyfriend played quarters with me, got me super drunk. You know, I threw up and but it was glorious. You know, I mean we also watched we watched some Marilyn Chambers porn movie (laughs) Mm -hmm. while while drunk it was a it was a glorious evening and I felt you know I think really for the first time I felt some relief from the 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 crippling you know mental suffering that I experienced pretty much 24 hours a day and you know from then it was on and you know I, I mean it was I was never in high school I was never like a drink every day kind of guy but you know Anytime I could, you know, stealing alcohol from parents and, you know, and sneaking out to parties and, you know, I don't know, the summer between sixth and seventh grade, whatever age that is, that's when I got drunk. And then in seventh grade, I smoked pot. And then by ninth grade, I I, uh, tried cocaine with, interestingly, with a older ex-Jehovah's Witness. Um, Oh, wow. So, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, drugs and alcohol were a a a more effective coping mechanism for me, you know, for, for you know, mm-hmm. work for a while. So, you know, um, I don't want to get too much into the story, but it, it's, it's funny. I, I moved to Florida right after high school. My dad had moved out there for work and I graduated high school in California and I was going to stay. And then right at the last minute, I was like, ah, I'll go to Florida and, you know, live with my parents. Yeah. And, when I went there, I only hung out with other Jehovah's witnesses, but they drank like me and went at, you know, rock concerts Mm. and stuff. Um, But, and they were all baptized and, you know, in that thing in the Jehovah's witness thing, you have to be old enough to decide you want to be baptized. Okay. So I got baptized at like 17 years old. And within six months, I got busted for getting drunk and for uh, sleeping with my girlfriend. So Mm. (laughs) I, from, from there, I was like, no, I'm out of here. (laughs) That was it. What's that?
0: That was it. That, that's what oh, we were yeah, getting busted yeah. for. That you were like, okay, this is not for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was already, I was already pulling away, but that was the kind of switch when they publicly announced that I was on reproof. You know, like they, that's, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of tarnishing my name publicly. And I was like, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. So, so I got out, moved out um, you know, moved directly into a party house with another, uh, ex Jehovah's witness who mm-hmm. was, you know, really big into pills and everything. He's actually dead now, unfortunately, oh. from, from Odin. But, you know, from there it was on, you know, uh, I, I, you know, again, I was living in Florida. Cocaine was, was around all the time. Pretty much every night I partied, I, I had a good job, you know, I got a job, uh, working for a small chain of a uh, mom and pop chain of, uh, camera stores doing hmm. sales, making good money, you know, like I think at 19 or 20 years old, they they actually made me manager of one of the stores and then I became a buyer for all, you know, four or five stores, whatever it was. So yeah. I actually did well, I don't know, professionally, um, mm-hmm. I, I suppose even financially for, for being that, that young. Um, and then just, and also not really being authentic in that environment either, you know, and then just like going out, hanging out, hanging with my buddies, going to clubs just about every night, going to concerts, um, getting cocaine pretty much every weekend, um, just getting blackout drunk all the time, driving drunk. Um, just, you know, looking back now, I mean, I was just desperate to get out of my my pain that I was in, you know, the the emotional and, and, and you know, I suppose even spiritual pain that I was in. So, living in florida every time it rained there was mushrooms that grew everywhere so um Hmm. you know and this is also this is early 90s um acid was all around uh and i love that stuff i
0: yeah
1: i I did i did a report on drugs i think in seventh grade um for science and i remember reading a actually i think i wrote in my report they talked about an LSD trip, you're, you can taste sounds and, and see smells. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I'm, I remember like, God damn, that sounds good. (laughs) I want (laughs) to, I want to experience that. So, you know, um, I've always, I've never been able to do anything in moderation, you know, just always everything to, uh, you know, a big extent, you know, I, my, yeah, friends that I rode bikes with, I'd always, you know, trying to be more destructive than them, more crazy than them. And, you know, I wanted to drink and use more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So, you know, I just got, you know, deeper and deeper. I, I consumed huge amounts of, of mushrooms and, and LSD in those, in those years. And interestingly, with all the trauma that I had, I never had a bad trip. I've had, you know, I've, I've had a, some uncomfortable moments in, in, some psychedelic experiences, but I never had a, you know, one where I freaked out and, 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 you know, yeah, that, that, that kind of, you know, that's, you hear about this thing. I've just never, thankfully I've never experienced that, but.
0: And that was uh, all recreational at that time. Is that, is that right? Or did, well, you, did you do it in I any mean, that's, in that's spiritual that's way? That's the
1: rationalization I had with it. You know, that I, yeah. I, I told myself that I was having fun, that I was partying and, you know, and then I just kind of progressed. I started, you know, I started advancing in in doing sales. I became a, a sales rep. Uh, I got a job offer out in, in LA and in California again, because I originally was in California and then moved to Florida. Moved, moved to LA in like 96. And when I moved out there, I started making a lot of money. Um, my The the owner of the, the clothing line that I was the sales manager for, his best friend was a Coke dealer. So I was getting $100 eight balls. In LA, driving from Redondo Beach into Hollywood every night, fucked up on you know alcohol and cocaine and 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 you know hallucinogens when I could get at them. Yeah. Um, and and I just you know it was one of the things I got deeper and deeper and deeper. I you know I met somebody, dated, she got pregnant, um, despite me being a degenerate and 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 you know and in addition to drugs and alcohol, you know I acted out unskillfully in many ways including sex and and you know violence and you know a million other things yeah yeah despite the way i lived i still i I suppose i had some of the some of those like traditional values inside so when when my got this woman pregnant i we got married you know and Mm. and, you know she had a kid we had a kid (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and uh A couple, and then we had another one a a few years later. And I actually started my own company at that time. I, You know, it was just I kept progressing in sales, being in inauthentic, being giving people what I thought they wanted from me. You know, whether it was a you know good Jehovah's Witness kid or you know whatever, that really helped in sales. So I've done really well in sales through the years. Right, (laughs) right. I ended up starting my own company and started making ridiculous money. And, you know, and along with that money was just the, you know, the ego and the, you know, the Escalades and the Rolexes and jewelry and um, just, you know, my, my, my safe at my, my office was just full of cash. And, and a lot of it went, I was, it was at, maybe it was a little bit before I started my company, but I started to use an eight ball of cocaine daily myself when I was on a bender, you know, and benders mm-hmm. could last, you know, a couple days or it could last, you know, weeks. It could have, some benders be like six months, you know, and then, and then I'd wow. end the bender and be like, Oh God, I got to stop doing this. I'm killing myself with cocaine. You know, my heart's beating out of my chest and my nose is bleeding all the time. And um, I actually looked into uh, severing the sweat glands in my wrists that, that go to mm-hmm. the, the Go to the hands because when i just thought of cocaine my hands and my feet would start sweating and it was a real mm. problem it was never a problem I, but i you know if i was anywhere you know i did leave handprints prints with sweat on the countertops yeah. so just, just mortified by that and that's i was suffering greatly inside and i was so familiar with feeling overwhelmed using drugs and alcohol, whatever else to escape from that, but also feeling mortified at everything, you know, just constantly criticizing everything that I didn't said in my head, you know, over and over again. So, you know, uh, I'd end a bender say, swear this stuff. I got to stop doing cocaine, but like, you know, I don't drink every day and I don't, I don't uh, smoke pot every day. So I don't have a problem with that stuff. And, you know, and then just, that thing, you know, I, as much as I'd swear it off and then I'd, you know, end up doing it again and again and again. And so here we are in uh, 2007 and I I went to Las Vegas for a trade show for my company, along with my sales reps and my buyer. And we had a big showroom. It was like two story showroom uh, that had a built-in bar and had it all stocked up with alcohol. But I made this promise to myself that I'm not bringing drugs you know this is this is for me and my brand and you know to do big sales and of course the day that we did set up I took everybody out to dinner and then that night we ended up in somebody's you know big suite in the Rio, and they opened up the safe and had a big rock of cocaine and then mm. you know it was it was in my possession the ne- next day and I'm off to the races but in the middle of that week one of my friends also brought mushrooms Um, He also brought out Altoids with acid dripped on it, which I never actually got to do, but (laughs) I ate mushrooms and I ate a bunch. I don't remember what it was. I'd always consumed everything in excess, but in the middle of that week I ate mushrooms and I fucking tripped hard. I didn't want to leave my room and you know, it wasn't like I was freaking out, but it was one of those. I like, I don't want to walk around Vegas. You know, I don't want the bright lights.
0: Yeah.
1: Stayed in my room. I, you know, I watched a bunch of movies on pay-per-view there was, I, I do remember specifically, there was a Tyler Perry movie that was about him being a single dad and he had two daughters and it was painful. And there was a, you know, uh, that whole and, you know, and, and meanwhile, like in real life, things were not going well with my, my ex-wife and and my daughters were little and, um, you know, and I'm just feeling all sad and bad for myself. Right. And, you know, uh, looking at the picture on my, you know, again, this is 2007. So I had a, Blackberry, <laughs> right. Looking at the, the, the family photo, uh, you know, uh, Christmas photo on my phone. And then, and then just watching that picture and that phone melt in my hand over and over and over again. Mm. And, and I do remember like middle of the, I think it was probably like 3am and now I'm starting to look at the time and I'm still tripping hard. And I think that the trade show started at 9am and, mm. and I th- thought, well, I had the brilliant idea maybe if I do some cocaine right now, it'll wake me up out of the trip. Right. That was a bad idea. I don't recommend that at all. Do not mix cocaine with, with clues. Don't do cocaine period. (laughs) Stay with plant medicines. (laughs) Um, But so, you know, I survived, obviously I'm here. I came out of that trip, like pretty much immediately coming out of it with the clearest insight that I had to stop doing everything. It wasn't just cocaine, it wasn't just hard drugs, it was everything. I the, the the delusion that I was partying, that I that I was having a good time, that I that I deserved it or I earned it was just completely shattered and I knew I had to get sober from everything and you know to whatever it took to you know to get sober and, and stay sober. And you know, and, and just to back up a little bit Previous to this, and, and, you know, before I got married, there was a few times that both with LSD and with mushrooms that I came out of those trips with very clear insights that I had to quit my job and, and you know, get out I, that clothing company that I worked for, that I made a bunch of money for.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, it was actually acid. Um, I did, I, from, it was just, fucking amazing shit from Europe. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I still have really good connections. I had really good connections, but uh, the first time I, I mean, it, it, the the LSD was like, you need to quit your job right now. And I, and I came out of it and I, I started making plans. I started, you know, checking with other companies and fielding offers. But then I think it was only maybe a week or two later, I ate the rest of the acid. And that one was like, you need to quit now. And I didn't, I don't even think I had a I didn't accept any offers, but I went in the next day and I'm like, this is it. I can give them my two weeks. So I've had many, you know, life-changing insights from, from um, hallucinogens, you know, both I, I prefer plant medicines definitely, but you know, I'm in LSD and yeah, some other stuff. Um, so, and that was it, man. I, I, I've been lucky the, the obsession to drink or use the compulsion to drink or use when I feel overwhelmed, when I feel stressed, when I feel happy, (laughs) um, has been completely removed from me. I, I did, you know, I got interested in Buddhism like almost 30 years ago through a friend and, you know, meditation was this thing that I always was kind of in the back of my mind and I try it here and there and. You know, when things were re- getting really bad, as far as my, you know, my, my, my internal suffering and, 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 you know, dissatisfaction in life, I started practicing mindfulness fairly regularly. And then I just, in a random chance, I ended up in Zen based therapy that, you know, mindfulness, um, not just meditation on a cushion, but mindfulness in, in relationships and life, uh, was, was just the foundation in the whole thing. And, in doing that for a little bit, then I then I had that that big insight with with psilocybin and, and got sober. And so, you know, the my meditation practice has been a part of my sobriety.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: my meditation practice has been the thing that has helped me, I think, benefit and maybe get the most out of my my psychedelic experiences. So you because had actually
0: started meditating before that epiphanal moment with the, in Las Vegas with the mushrooms and the cocaine?
1: I, yes, but you know, doing a lot of cocaine wasn't real helpful for a mindfulness practice. No, no, I I was, I was convinced I was a pretty bad meditator for a long time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But you, you, you at least started it. You kind of saw this and it it began, it. even though cocaine running through your veins is not really conducive to mindfulness, like you said, but you, you had started that before. Then you had the epiphany and stopped those habits of yours and it sounds like you stopped a lot of the destructive habits and flowed into a meditation practice do i have that right
1: yes I, just everything like kind of clicked at that point yeah. You know, yeah all the the therapy that i'd done before the meditation that i've done before the you know the, the, the i don't know the men's groups and, and relationship skills groups all that stuff really clicked mm-hmm. when i got that clarity from the psilocybin to, to, you know, that was the, the big delusion I was under, you know, that, that, um, I don't have a problem with this stuff. And then when that fell away, then I could, you know, I really started <sighs> growing up, you know, uh, and healing mm-hmm. myself specifically, you know, with, with a ton of forgiveness and, and, you know, and loving kindness and, yeah you know, I, before I got sober, um, one of, one of my best friends you know, he, he, we were drug buddies, you know, he, he, he was very traumatized. you know, he was, he was adopted, um, you know, went through some really rough stuff. We found each other. We, we used with each other all the time. We'd go down to Mexico and get drugs down in Mexico and come up and, and uh, he got bad into heroin and this is like 20 years ago, I think I read about iboga in I think it was the LA Times, and I read about a specifically an iboga treatment center for for drug addiction in Mexico, and mm-hmm. I tried to pay for him to go down there. You know, of course I did. I, I was still convinced I didn't have a problem at the time. <laughs> but right, he's, he's right. the heroin addict. He's he's the bad one. <laughs> yeah, like, he wasn't ready to do it, and and we actually didn't hang out for a while after that, which 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 sucked. But you know, I'm sober guy and and Buddhist guy, and 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 you know, and he's he got really bad in heroin and crystal meth, mm. and, and you know, of, of, I don't know. Um, this is like I think eight years ago. He he calls me up and he says, "Hey man, things are really really bad, and I got a hold of some iboga. Uh, I'm going to rent a hotel room. Will you sit with me?" And we hmm. did that. Um, he and he's got. Medical training. He's he's you know was formerly a uh, an ICU respiratory therapist,
0: hmm.
1: which okay. also always worked in the the graveyard shift. And he said that everybody else at the hospital was on meth too. Um, with the ones mm-hmm. that worked late. So uh, FYI for that. <laughs> if you think, yeah, yeah good <laughs> to hospitals know. are safe places, and wow. <laughs> medical practitioners know everything. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, so yeah, I sat. He gave himself three times the amount that he should have, and he tripped. Hard for three days, um, and I, you know, I, I, I did very little. I actually didn't do any research, to be honest. I didn't do any research. I held space, you know. Tried. It was just there with him, and mm-hmm. and he came out of it, and that was it. You know, his life has turned around, and you know, he got so much out of this that he's started. He actually started two ibogaine clinics: one in Mexico, one in Costa Rica, and started bringing me down when he had enough patients to pay for my, you know, for everything, yeah, I would I come that. down and I would teach meditation to these patients before their IBO trip. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I would, I would trip sit with them during the, the the flood dose and then uh, and then help them create an, an aftercare prob- program, which primarily is, uh, you know, I, lo- I love teaching forgiveness and loving kindness practices. Cause those of us that come into recovery for you know, those of us with trauma, those of us with anger, with fear, with addiction, we usually have really, really bad relationships with ourselves. And then, you know, and hanging on to resentment towards others and blame towards others. And so, you know, using a uh, meditative, meditative practices to, to start to unburden ourselves. And yeah, so I started teaching down there and then this is about four years ago. um, Is that right? Three years ago, he started, you know, down in Mexico, he took part in a a toad ceremony with, you know, five MEO DMT Mm -hmm. and found that And within that, that community of of IBO practitioners uh, he does a week long treatments and kind of in the middle of the week is the, the, the flood dose and then it coming down from it. And then at the end of the week, he does a, a toad ceremony and, you know, this, it, it just really seems to complete the process. You know, I, I, Iboga gives them this trip that their whole life, com, you know, kind of comes up before their eyes, so to speak. And they're able to make sense of things and let go of things. And, um, you know, it's this huge unburdening of a lot, a lot of this trauma and everything. And then the the 5 MEO DMT is, a lot of times it's just this this huge heart opening experience. And so uh for me at 11 years sober, squeaky clean sober. I mean nothing, not even a prescribed pharmaceutical from a doctor. I mean I didn't, do right. I didn't smoke cigarettes. Um you know, no weed, no nothing uh, medicinally. Um uh, but You know, through through that process, um, you know, ayahuasca was calling me. I got close to doing some ceremonies and and, and didn't in Los Angeles. I'm -hmm. I'm grateful because I, you know, after the fact, I heard they were, you know, just total charlatan. uh, Oh yeah, gotta be careful with those. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I didn't do that. Thankfully, but um, it was just this coincidental thing. My my best friend called me up, and he was he was dealing with a. Um, kind of a high-end client and you're know, doing a private treatment uh, with him and his mother. And he asked me to come out and teach him meditation.
0: Hmm.
1: And he'd been telling me how beautiful the, you know, toad journey was. And so, you know, at 11 years, squeaky clean, sober, I took part in a toad ceremony and it was. Hmm. life-changing. I mean, it was just beautiful. And, and, and the most, Gorgeous, not just colors and shapes, but like worlds, I don't know, realms. Um, it it informed my meditation practice too. You know, I, I I I know that 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 first toad ceremony, I just kept coming up. I kept laughing. And I guess I kept saying it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. And I I clearly yeah. noticed my mind wanting to articulate and describe the experience I was I was having, but did, I uh, also
0: wanted to narrate.
1: Yeah. Well, yes. And, but, but then I also clearly saw that whatever words I gave it, however, label I tried to put on it would make it so much smaller than what it is. Yeah. And, and that has gone on to, you know, all these beautiful meditative experiences that you can, that you can attain or achieve. Yeah. And, and then also just that, you know, just the, again, the, you know, the, the, the deep experience of, you know, psilocybin or LSD or, you know, 5-MeO-DMT, where just the, this, this, this deep realization of how inter- inter- interconnected we all are and, you know, how, you know, our, the, the, the quote unquote problems we have are just so insignificant and, you know, and that, that love is the answer, right? That Yeah. So, yeah, um, I, I, I still, you know, I, I, you know, these, these years later, I, I don't, I've never done cocaine. I've never done pot. I've, I've never drank. Um, I have taken a part in a, in a handful of toad ceremonies very intentionally. Mm -hmm. Um, That is, that is a big difference than previously. Like, you know, that, that, that last mushroom trip that helped me get sober was unintentional. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't plan for it. I didn't want it. I didn't, intend it to be a spiritual journey or a transformational thing. I just wanted to fucking blast off to outer space or you know
0: yeah it was another cool drug.
1: Yeah. And 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 now you know I, I I sit with it a while. I make sure that I'm not you know doing this as an escape. Um I'm specifically I've I've intentionally had some psychic psychedelic experiences uh with the intention to tap into maybe some of the deep seated trauma that i still have and the, the 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 kind of surprising thing was nothing has really come up like no no deep dark secrets no no not even a taste of something that's still lingering so the the last toad ceremony i did was beautiful and and huge and at the end of it i i just had this very clear insight like yeah i don't need to do this anytime soon so Hmm. You know, um, there's, you know, I have such respect for plants and, you know, and animal medicines, Um, you know, I've I've been able to take part in some, some Cambo uh, Mm -hmm. treatments, uh, you know, um, not really psychedelic or hallucinogenic, but, but also, you know, but very kind of spiritual and cleansing and and, and can be beautiful. So, Yeah, there's this this whole other world. And and I'm in this weird position to where, you know, I'm I'm am i I'm in recovery. And I guess, you know, being in Portland, Oregon, there's, you know, there's a lot of people that that, that, that there's a term uh green and clean. You know, there's these people that are in, you know, recovery. Heroin's so big up here, you know. There's people that are sober off of heroin or, you know, meth or whatever else, but they still they smoke pot as a as a medicine. Um
0: I'm
1: not there, but you know, um hallucinogens, psychedelics have changed my life for the better. And I, I have a huge, yeah. you know, I do, you know, I trip sit with Iboga. Um, when things go legal here in, in Oregon, I, I plan to get certified and, and be able to legally trip sit, you know, here locally.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: it's, I've, that's been calling me a lot. You know, I've, I've, I've done a fair amount of research and made connections on, you know, preparing for this, this hopeful change that's happening here in this, in the state.
0: So I hear that. Well, first of all, yeah, I hope you get that, that change. That would be fantastic. Um, but I hear from a lot of people, you know, I talk to the people on this, this podcast and a lot of times I will ask, you know, what, what is the key to a good experience, you know, with the medicines and, you know, you always hear set and setting dosage um, substance, but one of the common things I also hear is having somebody there with you. So not necessarily, uh, a guide or a therapist or somebody shaping the experience, but just having uh, somebody to hold space with you, to be there with you. And so that's the kind of thing that you're, you, you do right now. Uh, sounds like with, with a Boga and you're hoping to do, you know, once things go the right direction, hopefully they're in Oregon. Is that right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, of course, set and setting, which, you know, I had previous to getting sober and starting to do the stuff intentionally. Like I never thought about that. You know, i yeah I've done hallucinogens in some pretty fucked up places (laughs) right I you know and that is one thing that I have um through meditation practice and the openness that I've been in clarity that I've gotten from uh these these uh psychedelics that I am a lucky motherfucker and Mm. that I'm alive and I just can't risk you know I don't want to keep trying my luck you know um, but well, life is just simpler the way I'm, I'm, I'm living now. So yeah, set and setting of course, but you know, with being a meditation teacher and, and, and maybe this is why, you know, my, I've never had a bad trip. The one thing I say to, to everybody, I was, you know, I was just saying something or somebody posted online. I just got some mushrooms. I'm really kind of scared.
0: <laughs> yeah. People are,
1: you know, people are offering, yeah, set and setting and all that, but I always say you got to during the trip you need to let go. You need to let go more. You need to let go even more and you need to keep letting go. Mm. And that has just been the, you know, just with meditation in general, with, with, you know, with experiencing a, a trip, cause you know, it's, they, they come as waves, you know, it gets, it gets stronger, it gets weaker. It takes you to some, it brings you some, some maybe some upsetting things or some dark things and, you know, to not, get consumed by fear to not take it personally to, you know, to just let it, let it arise and pass like all other phenomena, you know, like the clouds yeah. in the sky or the, you know, the sun uh, rising or setting. So, you know, really, and, and then, you know, and then there's other mindfulness practices of grounding yourself. You know, if you're really kind of you know getting squirrely freaking out, you know, just like feeling into your body, feeling the the weight of your body or the connection that your body's making on whatever you're laying on or sitting on, um, you know, maybe visually finding a, a, a visual anchor in mm-hmm. the, the space that you're in, something that, that feels safe or, or comfortable for you to, you know, and just in kind of train your vision on that. That's, you know, to be able to help people with that. And then, you know, and also just the the physical thing. And that's one thing with every toad ceremony I've been has been held by my best friend who I love to death. And and he's been there by my side, and pretty much every time I end up kind of like rolling over, you you lay on your back when it's happening. I mean, and, and you, I mean, your vision of this world is gone. You're in you're in another realm. Yeah. But, you know, I've kind of rolled over to the side, and I don't know how many times I've ended up in his embrace and hugging him and reaching out to him, and and I, <laughs> one one of, one of the trips, I uh, had a big realization that that he and I had been soulmates not in a like a romantic way but we have been together in so many fucking lives Mm. that that, you know and and and, you know walked these paths together and and and,
0: yeah
1: protected each other and supported each other and you know and this is this this ain't this you know this in what's the term not incantation
0: incarnation
1: Uh, incarnation there we go thank you yeah, uh, yeah yeah so that you know this we're just in these bodies this time right now and and you know and we got all this stuff ahead well the you know the buddhist idea is once you reach, reach full liberation then you you stop this cycle, cycle. of uh, life and death and rebirth
0: so yeah. yeah yeah that makes sense yeah you hear that a lot in uh in different circles that's that's pretty interesting um so what else? You're, you're doing more now. Do you, do you have uh, any websites or any way, you know, somebody wanted to contact you, learn about meditation or learn about some of the other things you have going on? Do you have a way for them to reach out and, and find you?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I am a teacher uh, in Portland at Portland Insight Meditation Community. You can go to PortlandInsight.org. I do a weekly group on Tuesday nights called Boundless Hearts. And then I, I do, you know, occasional class series and workshops and day longs. And, you know, right now with COVID, it's all via Zoom. Uh, Right, right. accessible anywhere in the world. Um, you know, we are Pacific time, so keep that in mind. Uh, my own personal website, which there's, there's some really good talks and meditations on there that you can view for free. There's a way to contact me on there. Um, if you're to look at it this moment, all the text on there is going to be gibberish (laughs) working on it right now, but, but it is a way to contact me. And good, and like you can view or listen to stuff. It's Boundless Heart Dharma. That's a Buddhist term, Dharma D H A R M A. It means teachings or reality, really. Boundless Heart Dharma.com.
0: Perfect. And I will put a link to that on on the website and in the text of the podcast. So anybody out there should be able to find it real easy.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I you know, I, I deal with people, uh, you know, individually or in group form or, you know, um, both with uh, meditation, with recovery, and then, you know, hopefully, legally here soon, uh, psilocybin tripsing.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I got my fingers crossed for you, Gary. I hope that happens.
1: Thank you. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm, it's, yeah. It's exciting. You know, this, like, it's, it's, it's changed. And this is where I come from. When I teach meditation, I teach from my own firsthand experience. And this is what drew me to Buddhism, you know, it's, it's not about mm-hmm. blind faith. It's not about, you know, uh, trust me and and do this. It's find out for yourself, experience the benefits yourself, and then decide if you're going to go on with it. And so, yeah, that's, that's, that's how I teach meditation from my own experience. And then, you know, with these, with these, these different psychedelics, with plant medicines, um, you know, I mean, my life has changed because of it. And, you know, and I, and I, and I, and I do try and be as, as vocal as possible about it because, you know, there are many paths and, and, and this is one of them. It's, it's, it's certainly not a, a quick fix, but mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 you know, if you, if you have the right set and setting and, 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 and you know, a, a good intention and you're able to, to really just let it unfold as it unfolds um, you can receive you
0: know an incredible benefit yeah like you've shown us
1: I guess so yeah
0: <laughs> yeah I was I would say so I'd say working through the 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 trauma of an oppressive religion and ending up um, with I don't, I don't know if it was a pure addiction but the the substance abuse that you you dealt with and the negative you know feelings from that and I think it's remarkable I've, I've heard other people talk about taking a LSD or or psilocybin in in a one-time thing and not even necessarily in a spirit quote spiritual way or whatever and, and get the lesson, bam, Hey, you need to turn things around. You need to stop doing this and, and get them on the right path. So I'm, I sure am glad that, uh, that those mushrooms spoke to you that night.
1: Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, thank God for mushrooms. I don't believe in God, but... Yeah. Thank (laughs) Thank the universe for mushrooms. Yeah, (laughs) we'll meditate on that one.
0: And DMT and... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, all the medicines, all the medicines. (laughs) Was there anything else you want to get out there, Gary? Did we cover it all?
1: You know, I... The the one thing that I really like to point out, um, and you know, and I don't, I, I can't really pin it down on one thing. You know, the, mm-hmm. the 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 psychedelics, the meditation, the sobriety, the you know, all the work that I've done. But, um, you know, and the one thing, you know, in, in the twelve step world, they they say when when you're speaking in a meeting or, or you know uh, presenting somewhere, they they suggest to you that you talk about what it was like before, what happened, and then what it's like now. And and so you know, I talked a lot about what happened, but and maybe touch on a little bit of, of, you know, before, you know, up until I was, I don't know, 35 years old, maybe even a little bit more in my head constantly, you know, criticizing everything that I didn't said or regretting the things I didn't do or say, um, yeah. judging everybody else, just this inner critic just in my ear and just, just horrible. Uh, I, I sometimes joke, if somebody... Else talk to me the way that I used to talk to myself, I'd punch him in the fucking nose. Yeah. Um, That is not around anymore. I don't have a critical voice. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm forgiving and kind to myself. I, if anything, there's a, there's a a sassy little English guy that's in another room that's, everyone's (laughs) like, he goes, really, really? (laughs) That's, yeah, that's, that's the worst my critical voice is. But the felt sense is, is finally. My it, the first time in my whole life, I feel comfortable in, in my own skin. You know, I'm, wow. I'm, I'm, I can I can I can go anywhere. I can you know speak to groups. I can I can be in unfamiliar places and, and, and you know, and especially right here in this moment where whatever is going on, and I feel I feel comfortable in this 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 meat robot I'm in. You know, I, I'm I'm not in my head. I'm not I'm, you know I'm, I'm I'm mostly present and 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 not. Suffering twenty Yeah. So you know that just that in itself is just this amazing amount of freedom to be able to experience, and it's possible if a knucklehead like me, somebody with so much fucking trauma, and I'm still doing. You know, I started doing some EMDR therapy with my my you know my my therapist. Um, mm-hmm. She says I have PTSD about my marriage. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I agree mm-hmm. with that. <laughs> you know, so yeah. there's still there's still work to do, but you know. That's the, that's the amazing thing. Like, I, I I don't think there's a single person that's broken. You know, we all, Yeah. maybe it feels like we have a broken heart. Maybe we feel like our fucking brain is broken, but you know, I just, my own experience and all these other people I've worked with, and I know, I know people that were homeless and had wet brains or were complete psychosis and, you know, screaming at the clouds and they now have productive, happy lives.
0: Wow. Wow. So,
1: you know, that's, that's, that's what this stuff can bring. This can be the, this, this can be the road towards freedom and happiness.
0: Yeah. We can't get any better than that. That was awesome. That is a great lesson. Thank you, Gary, for sharing all that, for sharing your story and uh, the story of your, your soulmate and the other people that you've had an impact on. I really appreciate you coming here and, uh, and, and sharing all that. You're going to help a lot of people.
1: i uh, Really appreciate being able to talk to you today, Stuart. And and this stoned ape uh what what, what do they say? The namaste, this this stone this stoned ape recognizes the the awakened being in, in your stoned ape right now.
0: <laughs> there you go. There you go. Two awakened stoned apes recognizing each other.
1: Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. Right on.
0: That concludes this edition of the Stoned Ape Reports. Thank you for listening. Please follow us on Instagram at Stoned Ape Comedy and subscribe to our newsletter at www.stonedapecomedy.com. Again, thanks for listening, and catch you next time, Stoned Apes!